0: Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For tonight's podcast episode, I have Beth with me from Made for TV Movie Club. Hello to everyone, Beth. Hi, everybody.
1: Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me again, too, John.
0: You're welcome. It's always great to actually have you on the show for us oh, to talk about you. 80s movies. And, you know, this is actually one of our favorite 80s movies here that we're going to be talking about. Brandy yeah. will be joining us shortly and everything, too. Awesome. And... Um, Matter of fact, she's coming in right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> Better
1: late than never.
0: <laughs> so, but yeah, this is her and our favorite um, 80s movies, as a matter of fact. And like I said, I think that this is actually probably John Hughes' probably maybe um, underrated film, in a sense. Maybe not everybody's favorite, Pretty in Pink, might not be everyone's favorite. I know... This is actually Brandy's favorite John Hughes movie. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, (laughs)
2: Sixteen
0: Candles is a close second, but that's. But yeah, Sixteen Candles is also another one of hers. That's actually one of her favorites as well.
1: Yeah, I like. uh, I I I agree. I agree with you, Brandy. I like Sixteen Candles, but I actually like Pretty in Pink better. It's it's. It's not my very favorite. We were just John and I were just talking about this. My very favorite is Some Kind of Wonderful, which was Eric Stoltz and Leah Thompson and Mary Stuart Masterson. But it's similar to Pretty in Pink.
0: Definitely uh, close to it whenever it comes down to Pretty in Pink. And also, too, I want to actually say this, though, whenever you look at the opening for this, my first thing is whenever it she it opens up into this one scene you actually have the father he's kind of uh, you don't know where exactly it's going the plot line is actually going to be going with the father or anything like that but once no. you get that once you get a sense of what the father is like he becomes a likable character because he actually supports yeah. his daughter on what he, what she wants to do and then she's also taking care of him so you're yeah. not sure if she's actually if he's a drunkard or what's going on when we getting first introduced into the film or anything like that, but he cares about his daughter. He loves his daughter. It has a different tone than 16 candles because of the fact that you have the love and connection of the father. Yeah. And things like that. There's definitely a different,
1: yeah, there's a definitely a different, um, relationship and I think that um the character in 16 Candles had a good relationship with her dad but I think there's a different closer relationship in Pretty in Pink and I think that's what like you were saying I think the dad has an alcohol problem or it, it appears that way they don't really outright say it and he can't hold a job but they have a real love for one another and I think a lot of it is because they were both abandoned by the wife the mother Andy's mother which is a really sad tone in the movie I think
0: I think so, too. I think that leaves a lot of layers to actually unfold, to be honest with you when you look at it, because of the fact that there is sadness with the father and things like that, which is something that I really liked about that whole entire thing. It gives it gives it a lot more of a depth to that character and who he is.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting because. I didn't really think much about the dad when I first watched the movie because he's the dad and I was, this, you know, I was a Molly Ringwald fan, I was her age, I didn't really care about the adults in the movies, but um Casey and I on my podcast The Made for TV Movie Club, we did a movie called um Flatbed Annie and Sweetie Pie. It actually has Annie Potts and Harry Dean Stanton who plays the dad and Annie Potts plays Iona in Pretty in Pink, and it's funny because He's he's a, they're both comic actors in in the other movie and you can see how good they they are just having watched both movies.
0: Definitely. And you know it, I actually like the fact that you actually have Molly Ringwald, she's passionate about what she's doing. Yeah. She wants to become a designer for clothes, which is kind of ironic because Annie Potts is actually in this movie and she played in Designing Women* years later on. That's true. That's so true. I find that kind of ironic. You actually have a character that likes designing clothes and then you have Annie Potts who works in the record store alongside Molly Ringwald. And I thought the appearance with her was really good. The chemistry is right on point. It's everything yeah. that you wanted to be in an 80s movie, to be honest with you. This film... It's just fantastically well done, perfectly well crafted. When you look at it, and everything, too. Ducky, I really like Ducky. Ducky oh, actually reminds me of uh, yeah. myself.
1: Yeah, he's, he's really he's yeah he's really <laughs> he's really just. I mean, I I'll have to say that he's probably one of the best known '80s characters. Like, if people say, "Oh, Ducky," everybody knows who he is. You know, right. he's 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 that. I guess what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, charismatic. He's very charismatic.
0: Mm-hmm. He's that's very charismatic and protective of his friends. Yes, and that is something that is I feel like that's missing in today's world though too, where you have people that care don't care about their friends as much as they used to or anything like that. But I like how he cares about her and wants and cares about her well being. Yeah. And also, like may the, I
1: admire you again today? <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. What gets me is that he's actually really
2: in love with her. I mean, like crazy about her. And to her, he's just her friend.
0: Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. And we've all been through that situation and everything as guys and stuff like that where we're friends with the opposite sex, and then that person is not. Uh, into us like we th- think that they are. And then all of a sudden there's this new guy that comes into their world <laughs> and totally wrecks it and become, we can become jealous and everything is like, who's going to win out of these two alpha males and everything. But then you actually have to think about it. You have to put your own self aside for yeah. for your friend and their happiness and everything. I, and I think that's where this lies with Ducky. Everything, the realization that this is not going to happen the way he wants it to happen.
1: No, and he really, yeah, and he really suffered too. I mean, one of my Mm -hmm. favorite scenes is when he's sitting on top of the the newspaper boxes Mm -hmm. because back in the eighties, people read newspapers and they had those Mm -hmm. boxes where you had, I don't know, ten or fifteen papers. And he's sitting there, and it's raining, and there's that mural, and it's just such a sad moment. But it's. It's beautiful, too, you know, but you can see how much he's suffering because he knows that he may not end up getting her. Although I think he thinks he is because he has that conversation with with his dad, which just cracks me up. Exactly what
2: I was thinking about the moment when he sits down and has that big talk with her dad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he's drinking
1: (laughs) his juice box.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm going to marry her. You know, and you know what? Well, do you know how she feels about you? No, I haven't worked out though. Right now, <laughs> we're gonna look at the look at houses. Look, we're looking at all the home front stuff first, and then later on, we're gonna go ahead and try and move in later on, yeah. with different things. And also, too, my other favorite line is the one that you noticed uh, tonight, though. Too was the part where he goes, "This is why I don't drink and drive. I just ride okay. a bike."
1: <laughs> yes, I drive. I ride my bike. That that was a great one. Or that, or the like later on when he kisses Iona, and she's like. Um, what did she say what was her line about her her thighs and she's like right um my he must thighs be yeah he must <laughs> be practicing on melons
0: because <laughs> <laughs> the way he kissed because i know i'm old enough to be his mother but he must be practicing on his mother because like my thighs grew <laughs>
1: it <laughs> was so funny so, and then when he finally gets into the um to the nightclub after not having ever gotten in there and now i don't know if you guys know, noticed notice that the bouncer was andrew dice clay who was a very famous um comedian and i i don't know what happened i think he he got banned from snl for for life and i think it's because he just was an obnoxious jerk but he was really a big star at that time and i was
2: in the Ford failing thing back the whip Ford Fairlane if I remember right oh yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah that's him that's right yeah yeah <laughs> and he's tried to make some comebacks over the years and I don't think he's I don't know that's it's why quite lonely. Like, yeah that's why I always say I don't know if you even know who he is but he was a big he was a big comedian at the time but it's funny they had great banter outside the club him him and uh Ducky when he's like why don't you ever let me in? I, you know, and, <laughs> and tells her that Andy's his her his girlfriend, and then he asks Andy when she comes out, why don't you let? Why do you go in there if you know your boyfriend can't come? And he's like, no, 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 and he like tries to to hide it.
0: Exactly, and then I like how you say, well, if she's your girlfriend, then why does she keep bringing you to the bar? Yes, exactly. Because don't you think that there should be a hint? that she's yes. just not that into you basically. <laughs> and <laughs> you know,
1: one thing I noticed that I didn't notice the f- the first 100 times I've seen this movie was that um the band that's playing are the Rave Ups and if you remember in 16 candles that's who she had written on her notebook. I didn't right. I never made that connection before and I don't know why.
0: I've kind of noticed that though was a little bit of a foreshadowing from past, like a shared universe kind of with John Hughes whenever you yeah, look at it. Yeah, for real. But I'm surprised you know I mean? there isn't I, I'm
2: there trying to think. I would have never noticed enough yeah. in that movie probably I can't even tell you how many times.
1: So. Yeah, I've seen it so many times I was really surprised when I noticed <laughs> it. I was like, wait a minute, that's, that's the rave-ups. <laughs> wait a minute, that's from 16 Candles and I think yeah, I, I don't think that I'm trying to think if the rave ups soundtrack anything from them were in Ferris Bueller, but I don't remember offhand.
0: I don't think so. I think, I think uh, so with Ferris Bueller, they used other original stuff. Like we yeah. talked about it before, they used other stuff aside from that. From yeah,
1: yeah. But the the music in this this movie this had wanted to be one of the best soundtracks of the '80s. In yes. this this movie. It had and, In Excess and The Cure and um, Echo and the Bunnyman, I think, is on there. Obviously, the psychedelic furs, pretty in pink. <laughs> um, Joe Jackson, I think, is on there. Suzanne Vega. I, I'm telling you this because I loved every single track, and I had a little tape player, and I think I wore it out playing it in my dad's car.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. you definitely got some use out of that.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm record the, mo- the songs off the radio.
1: Yeah. Um, I just remember I took my babysitting money and I went to Target and I bought my little soundtrack and I just played it. I don't even know if I ever took it out of the car for like a year. I love that soundtrack.
0: The soundtrack is amazing. And, you know, we are talking about that in a few minutes, though, too. Speaking of music, every character has their own theme. Like you have Ducky who has basically this wild kind of theme that comes into it this little rock and roll stylish kind of music. Then you have, of course, Molly Ringwald's character. She has this more of a romantic laid back kind of vibe kind of music. And then you also have this bluesy, maybe kind of typed music for the rich dude that's actually into into her as well that I really liked.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, but that's true.
0: Because I noticed how the music changes. And this is my first time noticing it after... My fourth or fifth time watching this because, like I said, I've seen it before. I always catch, catch it in the middle every single time inside the record store scene, It never feels when this movie's on satellite.
1: <laughs> the one, w- the one where he's when he Dancing. when he dances in, yeah, yeah. I I read when I was doing some research that that was supposed to be a Rolling Stones tune, but they couldn't get the rights to it, which is how it, I think it's Otis Redding. Correct? I can't. know Otis Redding song, song. Yeah, yeah, which and was I, I didn't. Yeah, and I it was great and he did a great job with the lip-syncing and the dance. That was that's one of my favorite parts of that movie. It's so good. And he's like dancing up
0: against the the record stacks and I just thought it was so good. It definitely is. And not only that, but this movie also had a budget only of $9 million, $9 million and also, too, at the box office it made $40.5 million.
1: That's crazy. That's so much money. And I don't know if they expected it to not do well. I'm not sure. Because I noticed that they released it in February and then Ferris Bueller came out in June of that same year. I think it was 19, 1986, correct? I think way, I believe so. I believe yeah. that
0: they both came out during close to the same time, in the same year.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's 1986. And then um, G- Jeannie, the friend, she actually passed away before the movie came out. Right. The one who plays the friend who's smoking in the gym.
0: Yeah. Wow. wow. That's yeah.
1: I, I actually didn't know that until like two years ago. Because I was like, oh, I wonder what else she's done. And I went and looked it up on IMDb or whatever, and I saw that she had passed away. And I did find her obituary. I think it was in the New York Times. But yeah, that's really sad because she probably was eighteen or nineteen at the time. She couldn't have been more than twenty. And they never—they didn't say what she passed away from. So it's really sad. She was also in a movie called um, *Little Darlings*, which was one of one of my favorite movies too. I, that was a great movie. One of my favorite favorite scenes was in the, when they when they all in the gym. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And she, she's like that. That scene starts, isn't she smoking like right when they first start that scene, right. and then she's like, you know, put that out. It's like, how would you not smell that?
0: <laughs> exactly. And then also too, the part where a friend comes, goes in there, flips off the popular girl and are they and I hope that our boobs actually fall off. That she made me laugh. <laughs> She's, like no, honestly. <laughs> you know, the gym teacher asked her, as Andy, yeah.
2: You know, no no so, when she asked the other girl. Right. You know what she had to say and then she repeated it out loud what she <laughs> had <laughs> mouth to the other girl.
1: I said, "I hope they shrivel up and fall off."
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> No filter, nothing at all, exactly how she actually said it. It was perfect.
1: It was so funny, and it was so good because I think that she, even though she had a fairly small part, made a pretty big impression on that movie because she was so mean. But her character was so consistent throughout because she was still a bitch at the end of the
0: movie. She was. There was no characterization and mm-hmm. at the towards the end of it, where she changes, no, and that's who she is. And basically, in high school, they're not people don't change until like after high school,
1: right? So Today we actually, call people like her Karen, though she probably right. isn't Karen. <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> she was and so one neat. of my other
2: favorite scenes is when Ducky
1: basically floors what's the rich kid?
0: Oh yeah, oh, uh, the yeah the
1: um, James Spader. Yeah, I forgot his name in the movie. James Spader's character. You mean? Yeah, and then when yeah. he when he pulls down the a poster for yep. the prom king and queen. I love that movie too. And then I, what I really like is like they're fighting, and then all of a sudden people kind of just show up, and they're like, whoosh, like rush over there to like separate them. I just I you're right. That's a really good scene. And then he runs off, and he pulls that thing down, and it's just like you know a big f you to the to the world kind of thing. Because I think at that point, he every, everything was just not going well for him, for Ducky anyway.
0: Yeah, the the character, the rich ball bag guy is actually Stiff. Yeah. That, that was his name. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. You can definitely tell that he had this Miami Vice kind of vibe to him, where he says actually better than everybody else. The hair, the hairstyle, everything was Miami Vice if you look at it. You're right; it It was, was, was,
1: and that was kind of the look at the time too, because that was probably Miami Vice was still on the air and a big deal at that point.
0: Right, because I
1: it was 1986, so I think Miami Vice was on the air until at least 90. I can't remember exactly.
0: I believe uh, so, yeah. but yeah. still, you can definitely tell this guy's a ball bag. He's definitely someone that you don't want to even come across or anything like that because of the fact that he thinks he's better than everybody else. And yeah. then, too, he tries to get Blaine in his head, and yeah. it works, And because he's clearly into Andy. Yes, and everything. yeah. And you always have this popular person or someone that thinks somebody is actually ugly when really they're actually the problem. They're actually the ugly ones because there's yeah. something yeah. about them that is ugly about themselves. So therefore they have to belittle somebody else and also to be narcissistic towards somebody that's actually into someone to lift their exactly. own self up.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think the thing that really bothered him the most was that Andy could see right through him, and he's not used to that he you know yeah. what i mean he he didn't he didn't like that she knew she she had his number and she wasn't afraid to say it and i think other people were because he was rich and popular and therefore like and more important than other people and i think that that really showed through in this in the in the in the, in the movie but blaine didn't see it obviously until the end almost the oh very end God, of the movie
2: where she's out by a car and he's trying everything in his power to smooth talk her And he's she's looking through him like, "Excuse me, who are you talking to?" Um,
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly because (laughs) she isn't buying anything that he's offering or anything like that, and she doesn't even care about him at all. And then also, to his friend comes along, and you can tell he's a different. Yeah, he's rich, but at the same time, he doesn't have that same mentality Mm -mm. and everything. Blank is different than stiff because Mm -hmm. he looks at people in a different way. And accepts mm-hmm. them for who they are versus how Blaine looks at people and everything. Basically, putting them into sections where it's like a click Where you know what? I have my rich friends. That's where I'm going to be at. You cannot yeah. anyone that's popular or below anything. I'm. They're not even welcome to my own in my own home into my own yeah. party because they don't yeah. fit the bill.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they really were. They were. Everybody at that party was so so rude to Andy. But it just, it was, um, I think, her, I think Benny was the blonde girl's name who got in trouble and she said to yeah. shrivel up and fall. I think that was yeah. Benny. And, um, I mean, she, they just, she's so awful and she's even worse at the party. And it's just, I don't know. Even though the, it was kind of funny, because what did she say that was really funny? She's like, oh, um, now I can't think of it. Darn it. Yeah. Jeepers Creepers. But you know, the other scene I really loved was when Blaine did that little computer thing when she was in the library. Oh, yeah, oh, that was cute. That was, cool. was so cute. And then the pictures come out. Do you know who you are? <laughs>
0: it was so cute.
1: That's That's one of my favorite moments in the movie, actually.
0: I agree. Uh, that actually reminds me of like AOL in, yes. in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. That's in uh, hacking in the 1980s is actually different compared to now.
1: It just shows yeah. you the
0: different times and everything of how fast technology ran its course from the 1980s to now. I everything. will say
1: that creating that in the 1980s probably took like an hour just to make that. <laughs> I took Especially a computer class and
0: yeah. Especially that photo of Andy, and then all of a sudden he puts his picture on there and stuff. I'm like, how much thought process, how much stuff did they use for the get back to make that happen?
2: Yeah. Because it's, you're looking yeah, at it
0: was- right. You're looking at pixelation at first yeah. and then it comes to clear. I'm like, wow, this is better than dial up. Yeah. <laughs> well, and back then
1: you back then you would have had to like write all the code for that. Right. It didn't really exist. It was just starting to, I think, at that time. But if I recall, most people didn't have computers either at home.
0: No. You know, office businesses and stuff like that. Were the only the only place we had computers
2: was at school.
0: Right. Yeah, that's
1: true.
2: I don't
0: think that's that true. happened until high school.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we. I remember taking a computer class, and we actually like had to make a little. um like a little snowman and just the outline of it. And it took me like, <laughs> I don't know, weeks to do that. Because <laughs> you have to write the code and put in the color. And if you make a right. mistake, it didn't work. And just was, it's very complicated. Not like it is today.
0: No, definitely not like today. <laughs> and also too, I want to also mention this though. Um, but the record store thing is actually one of my favorite things in in the movie though to be honest with you, because it's the most relatable thing, because I remember being up in Boston in a store called Strawberries, but also too, we also have a T-Bones record store up in here in Hattiesburg and it has that 1970s kind of style, but they also have, um, it's also a deli restaurant though too, at the same time in a coffee shop connected into the record store. And it has that kind of flavor of the vinyl records, the CDs and things like that. And, that's something that I miss is just going into the, there, just being geeked out at a record store and spending hours in a record store, just getting records and stuff. And other artists, other artists like, uh, like Andy and the character that Annie Potts play plays and everything. And it was just awesome to see that. And also too, I like the fact that it takes place in Chicago because high fidelity also takes place in Chicago, which is also one of my other favorite movies that takes place in a record store, but John
1: Cusack.
0: Did y'all notice how much, like, how weird
2: Annie Passa's style from the beginning? I loved that.
1: I loved, I loved, <laughs> and I loved how much she transformed, but I loved her. She's like, you know, what do you want? <laughs> I cook for you. I clean for you. Now you want to ride to work? And then she's like, it's Walter Mondale.
2: <laughs> you know how amazing she looked with the blonde wig. That's something right? that nobody saw coming.
1: I like the big bouffant wig that she had when she was dancing with her prom dress on.
0: <laughs> I did too. I that like the different hairstyles cool. that they used for yeah. it, to be honest. Yeah. And also too, I feel like the hairstyles tells a story of who she is. Yeah. And when yeah. she starts getting matured and everything, her character starts becoming even more mature. Her hairstyle starts changing. And then the part the scenes with Ducky, and everything that her hairstyle changes into more of a mature look because that's the Mm -hmm. expression that she wants to give people now opposed to her grungy BDSM punk rock look Mm -hmm. at the very beginning. And then it goes into the other 1960s style. Then it goes into the other style where she's actually becoming a lot more happier. So the hairstyle to me tells the story of who she is.
1: Yeah, that's true. Especially because she's in such, I mean, you don't meet the guy, but you can tell she's really in a bad relationship with him and she right. hates him. And then you're right. And and then at the very end, she has kind of that, you know, suburban mom feathered with the pearls. She's wearing the fake pearls, which were a really big style at the time. So, and she had her little white Miami Vice type jacket on too. Lasers were kind of a big deal <laughs> back then too. Especially when you had like the white blazer with the really brightly colored shirt underneath. It was a look. We we didn't complain. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have to say I kind of liked her punk rock look a little bit with the docks and all that stuff. She was kind too. of a badass. And then when she and then when she um, when that kid was shoplifting and she like took the. The staple gun and like yes. no, my eye out
0: <laughs> it was only an inch away from your face
1: but... half an inch, <laughs>
0: half an inch. <laughs> I she's love it, sassy
1: though. I love her sass her and ducky they were they were just such great characters but I love Annie Potts just just as an actress and everything she does. I mean Ghostbusters it's so yes. she's so good in Ghostbusters. But she's really girl. good in this one. Yeah. I mean, John Hughes really carefully wrote, I think very carefully wrote the characters in Pretty and Pink. Cause they were all very distinct. And now not all of them had growth, but they were all really distinctive and yeah, really strong. And he was consistent with them throughout. Like they didn't change or get weaker in the sense that like the 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 transformation of Iona was really well done.
0: I agree. I I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, Was there was there anything else you wanted to mention or anything like that too?
2: I'm ready to talk about uh, my favorite parts of that movie is the whole like last 1520 minutes in a movie. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) how about that dress? What did you think Brandy? What did you think of the dress?
2: The dress was something else. I, that's something I don't think
1: I'd. I I, I I wouldn't have had the balls to wear. Okay, no. <laughs> I, I was I I didn't love the dress. I didn't. I found it kind yeah. of disappointing. I love what Ducky had on. Yeah, oh, Ducky he was, was great. Better than anybody at that prom. Mm-hmm. And the he still had his <laughs> shoes on, and when <laughs> he had his little bolero tie. What I don't know what you. I can't remember what you called those. The little um, the jewel tie thing. Was Uh, that a bolero? Is that what they were called? Something like that. Yeah, that's a bolero. He looked so good and his hair was like... (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: And he has that confidence to pull it off. That's the thing about Ducky. What tells
1: me is the rich kid
2: looked like like somebody put him through a wet dog Mm storm. He looked horrible.
0: He did. He really didn't look good. Like He looked unwell. Right. Because of that guilt and shame that he carried for uh, what Blaine did to him and everything, mm. too. No, not Blaine, but what uh, Stiff did to him. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, because like he wasn't you even definitely... with his friends. Right, because if you think about it, though, having that guilt and shame on you will actually put years onto your life, or if not, it'll make you ashamed of what you did to the point where you're not sleeping good at night, and that's exactly the repercussion that he got from yeah. that.
1: Yeah, and John Hughes, the original ending was Andy and Ducky got together, and then test audience hated it, and they changed it, and I was really disappointed because I really wanted Andy and Ducky to get together. I think <laughs> you they would they have were expected that happen, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Yeah, and I think they were a better fit, quite yeah. frankly, because mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean. I one thing about this movie that I don't wish about a lot of John Hughes movies, but I wish they had added some more scenes with Andy and Blaine dating because they're really you didn't really see them together that much. Yeah. And even in the beginning of that, he kind of said some stupid things like you want to hang out with your friends, go crawl under a rock. That was just mean. That
2: was like right. a real douchebag of a thing
0: to say. Right. It
1: really was. And so I, I was kind of hoping that they, I wish they would have shown more of him being a nicer person to her right. or just dating more. Because then they showed him in the stables. So they obviously were dating outside of that one date. But I just didn't feel like there was a total complete picture of that relationship. And I just no. wish there was a little more of it. But I think maybe when they filmed the movie, there didn't need to be because the ending was supposed to be her and him and Ducky. So maybe they just didn't feel like there was a need to have more of them in it or or something.
0: I think John was thinking, okay, well, the test audience is going to probably love it because Ducky is like the underdog.
1: Yeah. Therefore,
0: you know, people love this love the story of the underdog. Yeah. So therefore there's no reason to go ahead and have them on more dates because people might actually love it the way that he has it. And then it turns out to be the opposite of what he had. And who knows, maybe they're like, well, if you don't have enough time to film anything else, you already ran the budget to where it needed to be. So we can't go back and film it like, like we do with other projects. So therefore you might yeah. actually have to move on from it. Yeah. But for me personally, with, uh, here's the thing. I would love to see Ducky and her get together, Andy. But at the same time, I feel like there's a lesson to be learned for Ducky.
1: Yeah. Though,
0: is the fact that, yeah, you may not get the girl that you want, but there's going to be someone out there that will love you and will respect you. And you also yeah. have to put away your differences to make someone else happy. Yeah. And that's where I feel like the lesson is learned for Ducky. And that's also, too, to me, it's not like the cliche Hollywood thing of putting two characters that are both alike, in a sense, together. And that's yeah. why I appreciate that a lot more because of the fact it's not something that's been done before. And therefore Ducky can actually learn from accepting the fact that her friend is happy, for, yeah. even though he's not with her.
1: Yeah. And I think he loved her enough that he was, he would have been okay with that. I just was heartbroken. Cause I just really liked Ducky. Especially when I was that age, I loved him and I was like, yeah, I didn't really care that much about Blaine as far as, you know, the movie went, and I still I still say I wish they would have gotten together because they did have a lot of chemistry, so it would have been believable. I thought they had a lot of chemistry,
2: so did I, the only thing I really liked and this is the only thing I can say I liked about Blaine is when he called stiff on his bullcrap at the end. Right? yeah, yeah, out that the only reason that he's so gung ho about him not being with her is because he couldn't get her.
0: That's what it is. yeah, that's exactly it's- it. It's the alpha male ego where it's like, oh, she's into him. He can. It's about, okay, so she's into him. It's about what you can't have. And because that person has her and everything, that person is also jealous because of something that he can't have. And because he can't have her, he's going to try and make uh, Blaine's life a living hell because of that. And it's two alpha males trying to get the same girl in a sense, even though Blaine already has her stiff once or even more
1: yeah and I think that I think that Blaine also um I think he also realized at the end that hey wait this is this is like the end of school high school we don't I don't need to even talk to these people again because school's probably over in the next week or two so there was there was that too and I think that's also gave him the courage gave Blaine the courage to stand up to him because he's like doesn't have to deal with him anymore
0: Right, exactly. It's like, okay, I'm not in my 12th grade year of high school. I don't have to put up with him anymore. Yeah. After this, it's over with. No one's even going to remember what I did in high school or anything. Exactly. can move on from this. Yeah. And
1: and he did. And I, and I think his intention was, I think his intentions were good, but it's just too bad that he kind of did that to Andy because it wasn't really very kind of him to do that, like ignoring her ghosting. I guess today we call it ghosting. Mm-hmm. But right. still this. I mean, we just didn't have a name for it back then. But that's basically what he did. I mean, that's one of my favorite scenes, too. And one of, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, because Andy's so powerful in that moment where she's like, just tell me, yeah. just tell me, just tell me. And I love that because she just mm-hmm. won't let it go. And she shouldn't have. No, And she's so strong in that moment, just standing there, like, knows that people are probably going to make fun of her. But I don't think that kind of thing bothered Andy. I don't think she cared what people thought of her, which is what I loved about Andy. She was so strong.
0: Yes, she's definitely a strong-willed character. She -hmm. wasn't going to take no BS from anybody, even with her own Mm -hmm. father, for instance, too. Yeah, she did to be honest with you, that scene will pull on your heartstrings.
1: Oh, uh, when they you interview can... dad and her are talking? Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. yes. And also, to seeing that play out and her saying, look, she's not coming back. She's not coming yeah. back. And you can tell he's depressed, even when he's talking yeah. to Ducky and everything. Yeah. He's got this laid-back, chilled attitude, but at the same time has this little depressed beard going on and laid out and everything. You can tell that he's has this emptiness inside of him. And you know, and then of course, whenever she said, "Look, you need to let her go. It's over with. She's not coming back." Yeah, and he goes, "I can't let her go because I'm still not in love with her." Yeah, and I mean that was beautifully well written. Yeah, so and then back, yeah, go. right.
1: And then so she was like, "I loved her too, but we just have. To, she's not coming back." And it's such a beautiful moment really between them. And I actually think it might've been a turning point for the dad. Obviously we don't really know because the movie ends, you know, I don't even know if he's really in it again, except for when she leaves for the prom. But I think for him, no, I guess he isn't it again because he got that. He did get to end up getting a job, but
0: right,
1: it was good because it seemed like he was going to be well on, on his way to being happier. Or maybe he made peace with that loss.
0: And, you know, even though we didn't see him, but seeing that smile on his face with, uh, with Andy when she's on her way to prom, yeah. that's only right then and there. Whatever that demon said he was facing before Andy confronted him and everything, he's in a different mindset now. Because yeah. here's the thing, 95% or 98% of acting is no dialogue. And you can tell with just the eyes and the expression alone that that's yeah. exactly what, what was going through his head. Yeah. At that
1: moment. Yeah, and I think that um I think you're right and I think that he I mean, you know, and a lot of the movie she's he's still sleeping in the morning cuz he presumably was out late, but he wasn't out that night that she went to prom, which would have been a Saturday night, which I think is right. telling. It means, you know, he's not at the bar drinking, which is what I think he did a lot of. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't because he made that change in his life that that wasn't going to be what he wants to do with it anymore. So I think, I think he showed a lot of growth, which is interesting because he wasn't in a great deal of the movie.
0: No, but it it just goes to show you the level of writing that John Hughes has. Yeah. Even though this is completely for a coming of age, 1980s type of film with teenagers, it goes to show you, he's also got something for adults though, too. Yes. Adults can actually relate to something and everything, because chances is if some kid is like 15, 14, 14 or 15 years old, they're going to go in and take their parents with them to see this movie yeah, and stuff, so therefore we have to have something to incorporate the adults on, and John wrote that specifically for the adults to have something to relate, relate it for, and I think that's a beautiful thing to have, because yeah. you need to have something, because adults go through issues too, and therefore maybe a, a, adults can go through you know what I'm saying? Maybe maybe they wrote that for people to actually help uh, with depression, helping people get through a rough time in their lives, to where maybe they can relate to this film, in some yeah. type of way for adults as well. I think it's a yeah. great thing.
1: I think I think this movie is really one of the movies where you really see some growth in his writing. It's not just you know like when you look at sort of vacation and you look at sixteen candles. Those are sort of slapstick comedies. They're great movies. But then you see Ferris Bueller and it's funny, but it's also, uh, there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of human humanity in it. And then you have movies like Pretty in Pink. And, and then you have Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which I think came out after, after these came out. Yeah. And that one is so complex, the writing. And that one's so beautiful. But you can see it in Pretty in Pink, the complexity in what he's trying to do with his characters. Yes. And, yes. and like you said, the adults.
0: I uh, know you wanted
1: to say something up. Well, and as far as like
2: trying to give adults something to relate to, is it, was it just me or did you notice a lot of those high schoolers weren't really dressed like you would see a normal high schooler during the eighties? A lot of them were dressed a little too grown up for high school in that sense of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, in my high school, it was all gunny sack. So everybody had the same dress, just a different color, which was kind of like a, it had a tighter bodice, but it had kind of a poofy bottom. It looked like kind of like a ball dress. And you're right. The girls in this movie were not wearing that, but I think maybe that's because they were wearing thousand dollar designer dresses and maybe they were just more sophisticated, but you're right. They were dressed like they were going to the, I don't know, like to the Emmys or the Oscars or something.
0: Well, it's also that rich lifestyle though, too, if you think about it. I remember when we were in high
2: school, It was either stone washed or tight rolled jeans, stuff like that. Because I went
1: to a public school where we didn't have uniforms, so yeah, we didn't. I didn't either, but we. But I don't know. I think that you're right. I think that they were very sophisticated. I think that maybe that's why Andy's prom dress stood out is to not because it was not as. um, There just wasn't a lot to it. That's the weird thing. It just looked like a actually looked kind of like a dress she would have worn to school because she was pretty. She was pretty daring with her clothing i mean she designed everything and and i loved i loved every single outfit she wore in that movie except that dress
2: that dress was
1: (laughs) it just wasn't really anything i don't know like who designed it and why but it's just such a different departure from the rest of the
0: movie it definitely is it's very bland And I'm not a guy that was, (laughs) I'm not actually talking about dresses, but it was like a tablecloth kind of dress. (laughs) Like you would get off of a tablecloth.
2: Well, the one thing I liked about her throughout the movie is that even though she wasn't rich like them,
1: she dressed with such class. Yes. I just loved, I, I think like the way she always put together, like, It looked like she was wearing dresses, but a lot of them were two pieces. But with the vests, I love that. And then she always had those little booties on that were so cute. She just really knew how to put everything together. And in fact, she inspired me and my friends to like go down to the thrift stores and, you know, buy some secondhand clothes. And that really did become a thing after this movie to, to go down and like try and, you know, find really cool stuff like she had. My youngest daughter
2: so. she'll go to Goodwill and buy really vintage-looking outfits and put them together herself style and style it how she likes.
1: Yeah, I love that. I I wish that I had that kind of eye for fashion, but I don't. That's why I'm wearing my psychedelic first T-shirt because that's. Is- <laughs> That's what I like. <laughs> I actually thought about dressing like, kind of doing some kind of '80s hair and all that. And I'm like, I don't even have aquanet. I can't get my hair that high. Today. There's no way. I don't have. Pro- I don't have the right product for that.
0: <laughs> but uh, you know, this movie is just fantastic. I, I mm-hmm. like. I like. I said this movie is not one of those movies I watch over and over again, over a hundred times or whatever. I catch it whenever I can on TV and things like that. This is, like I said, my fourth time seeing it. But the record store scene when with Ducky makes me laugh. Then there's also the other scene where he actually um, pulls the uh, smoke alarm. <gasps> goes, yes! And he goes, that's it. I'm not coming back to the store anymore. That's it. I had enough of this. The security sucks. Everything about the store just sucks. And then also, too, another scene that makes me laugh with Ducky. And he has so much damn confidence and everything that makes me laugh. When he gets shoved into the girls' room, he goes. So this is what the girls' room looks like. <laughs> the girls' room looks like. We don't have these. Look at this. They. They. You guys have doors. You guys you have a have, candy machine. You have, you have a candy machine here. You know what? You, you know what? I want to talk to your principal. Miss Laris
2: that's not. That wasn't a candy machine of yours. <laughs> no, I know. I know, what it,
0: I know what it was. <laughs>
1: That's the beauty of it because he didn't know what it was. (laughs) It was so you're right, it's so cute because he's just like, because he's just like brings on the sass because I guess he just didn't know what else to do in that moment. (laughs) I'll wait. And then then the last
2: part, Lana, he says, I'm saying, right
0: here till the principal comes. Come on, go ahead, call him. I'm right here. I'll wait. I'll wait, which was perfect.
1: So or what and then or,
2: after he's standing there like when when she he watches her walk off to go catch him and he's just kind of standing there looking a little sad and he sees that and then sees that pretty girl looking at him and he looks at he, he says me <laughs>
1: <laughs> or what about when he there he's studying with Andy and He's, she's like, do you want something to drink? She, he's like, beer, juice box, whatever you got. And then she goes down to the kitchen and he starts singing and she hears him in the vent. He's singing, I remember, love is real.
0: Right. I'm wondering <laughs> too, like how much of the conversation does she actually hear since it's been in the vent? So he. she actually knows how he feels. Yeah. Everything too. So I love her, her so out.
1: much. And then he puts <laughs> that, did he put the hat on the dog?
0: And no, then he, he put, put it on salted And itself. The room. What did he yeah.
1: do with the dog? Was he just sing, he was singing, singing to the dog? Singing to the dog. He was singing and talking to the dog. <laughs> the I love her so much. Just,
0: like, moaning and everything and crying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just so funny when she like closes the fridge and she looks up and you can hear her hearing him. It's so cute. He's so genuine, you know. And she's like, "Ducky, we need more than." The Warsaw Pact is a was a pact in Warsaw <laughs> <laughs> when they're trying to do homework. <laughs> it was so funny. I just loved that. Yeah. I loved her bedroom, too. She, she had, like, style everywhere. I mean, she really knew how to decorate and dress and all of those things. I just love that. Most definitely.
0: It described her character perfectly with the design of her bedroom. I agree. And her passion for designing is basically her drive, and I like that
1: yeah i noticed though there was a definite starkness to ducky's room because he had like nothing on the walls if you remember there was that one scene i think there were two times that they showed him in what i'm assuming was his bedroom when he's kind of sitting on the floor and it's just everything's white and i think that maybe he drew on the walls or something and he's just sitting there and and he's really upset and it's just kind of sad because then you kind of wonder, like, really what his life might be like outside of her.
0: Right. And it does make you wonder because we're not introduced into Ducky's world or his father or what kind of relationship that he has with his family. Yeah. So basically all he has is Andy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's why he's... And then then Iona's like, he's not riding his bike past your house anymore!
0: <laughs> 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 and I like how he's over there with the little Ch- the Chinese guy and he's just looking goes, hey, how are you? <laughs> just
1: yeah, I mean, that's another interesting thing. You can tell like in those scenes, like when he's riding his bike, when you're down by Iona's apartment, that's not Chicago at all. You can totally know that was filmed in L.A.
0: Yes. because there's an no- L.A. vibe to it. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Even though when the when the movie opens, you know it's in the Chicago area because if you notice that dump truck says Elgin, and that's a su- suburb of Chicago. Obviously, I don't even think that was filmed there. I think they just painted Elgin on that on that dump truck or the garbage truck, I think it was. But you can okay. tell it's not. It wasn't filmed in in Chicago at all.
0: Right, because I can tell with Chicago landscaping. We talked about this with yeah. the Ferris Bueller. Yeah. One with camera, with the car, with the house layout. And there was this yeah. very LA, Los Angeles kind of vibe to it.
1: Yeah. So. And, when you see, and when you see the outside of tracks, the record store, you can also, I mean, I guess it could have been um, Chicago-ish, but it really didn't feel like it. And also they were in Elgin. They weren't in a big city. They were in a suburb. So they wouldn't have really had anything like that. But I read that that building still exists, except now it's, it's a deli or something. It's not a record store anymore. But I think it was really a record store at one point.
0: It definitely has that layout of a record store. And yeah. I love the vibe it had at that yeah. time. Yeah. Um, but I think that's everything as far as my our, my our thoughts. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, was okay. it? I mean, okay, <laughs> so that's everything. Wait. I, that... I got a
1: question though. Who do you guys wish that Andy would have ended up with? Ducky, of course. Okay, good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was voting. That's the right answer. (laughs) (sighs) All right. So my question for you, though, Beth, is where can everybody follow you at? If you guys want, if people want to follow you, and all that other good stuff.
1: I am the Made for TV Movie Club podcast. You can find me on Twitter at TV Movie Club Pod One. On Insta, we're at made underscore for underscore TV underscore movie underscore club. Facebook, made for TV movie club podcast. And we're on all the apps for the, um, if you want to listen to the podcast, any, all the apps, I think we're on all of them. You can just okay. give it a Goog and find us
0: where if they're listening to you on whatever app you're on, we're on, I'm sure. So All right. And with that being said, guys, if you guys want to go on ahead and follow me on Facebook underneath um, Movie Lovers, TV Lovers Night, over there, underneath the, underneath the same brand name on Instagram and, of course, on Pinterest as well. And then, of course, if you guys want to go ahead and get an audio only, only episode of what we do here at Movie Lovers United, you guys can get that on all major platforms that you guys get your podcast from. But also, to go to Good Pods. Good Pods is a great place if you're wanting fan interactions With us and things like that, you can tell us what you like, what you didn't like. If you're also into podcasting yourself, that's actually a good way to let other listeners know what you have going on, if they liked your episode or what they didn't like about your episode, so that way you can actually develop who you are as a podcaster and help yourself out that way. Another thing, too, is we actually are doing a little charity event through Scentsy, and all the proceeds go over to uh, the victims and everything over at um, Louisiana, and because of Hurricane Ida. So we are actually doing that uh, with the Cincy's and stuff like that. So all the proceeds go through the Red Cross and it goes through a good cause. So go ahead, get yourself a Cincy and help us out there. And of course, if you guys want to, go ahead and donate to Movie Lovers Unite. And how do you do that? You just go to gofundme.com forward slash Movie Lovers Podcast. And that's how you can go ahead and donate a couple of dollars to us. But if you want to watch me embarrass myself on TikTok, all you have to do is follow me underneath Movie Lovers Unit, and it's 001, I believe. So you guys can go ahead and follow me on TikTok. I do some promotional stuff from time to time over there. I will not do a crate, um, a crate challenge or any type of challenges, just PR stuff. And then, of course, you guys can go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Movie Lovers Unit. And, of course, if you want to be on the show and would like to also sponsor us, all you do is just reach out to me at MovieLoversUnit at gmail.com. And, of course, we're also part of the uh, indie film community right now. And that's actually at the Holly Shorts film festival. So in matter of fact, Beth is going to be helping me review a couple of movies and pretty soon. So that's going to be exciting. And I'm going to be interviewing some more guests coming up this week. So that's, and matter of fact, tomorrow night, I'm going to be interviewing a guest at eight o'clock central, nine o'clock Eastern, six o'clock Pacific time for his movie, uh, there You Are, which is uh, actually an animated film that was like six minutes long. Alex and I did a review for that. You can actually catch that on the YouTube channel, or you can go ahead and check it out on the Audio Only Podcast. But that's everywhere that you can reach me at it, guys, and I do appreciate you, Beth, for taking the time of your night. For Thanks for having me again. You're welcome. Anytime you are always welcome on the show. I do appreciate it. And always, until next time, guys, it's been real, it's been fun. I can't wait to do this again. And bye-bye. See ya.